mercy and peace to you from God our Father and from our risen and ascended Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. So back in 2015, uh, Facebook introduced a new feature to all of its users. And the purpose of this feature was to be able to uh, look back on things that you had done in the past, uh, or as they called it, on this day. And essentially it highlighted whatever you had shared on Facebook, however many years ago it was. And so uh, if you don't have a Facebook, that's okay. Um, I want to show you a little glimpse of what that might look like. So uh, this was me uh, about seven years ago. Apparently in the month of June, I tend to end up at a lot of different weddings. Uh, that is my best friend who's also a pastor now and uh, his wife. And we were at a wedding together and obviously, you know, can't pass up on a good selfie opportunity either. Uh, but uh, one of the things that I love about uh, the feature of on this day or now they call it memories is the opportunity to look back on days gone by. Uh, the chance to reflect on uh, what was in life and, of course, now what is and uh, kind of be thankful. I, I like to think of it as a flashback. It's like uh, looking through a scrapbook of old photos and you just can't help but turn the page a little bit slower as you get deeper and deeper into the scrapbook, right? Uh, you have all these different feelings as you look at the photos. I mean, similar to how some of us did when we were looking at the photos of the young confermans this morning. That as you look back and you remember their faces, you're taking back to a time when things perhaps in life were just a little bit slower. And you, you, you take a deep breath and you just live in the moment, even if just for a few brief moments. I think that's why we really all love the idea of a flashback. It, it takes us back to a time where maybe things were simpler, where we can just laugh and look back and uh, feel a little bit more joyful in the midst of whatever's going on in life. Now, as you've heard throughout the morning, today is a special day, the day of Pentecost. And uh, what makes Pentecost so interesting, or one of the things anyway, is that for us, it is a celebration of the past, the present, and the future. And uh, when I uh, mention this, I mean not only here at St. Andrew, but for the church at large. Churches all around the world are celebrating this wonderful day. Much like Christmas and Easter, people gather on Pentecost to celebrate something that changed lives forever. A day that so long ago started out as what was probably somewhat of a normal day. And yet, today, we still celebrate that wonderful occasion that took place. That wonderful moment that we hear about. It was 50 days after Jesus had risen from the grave. And just about 10 days after he had ascended into heaven, as you heard about last week. And so our story, this, this whole celebration today, begins with a flashback. You see, uh, the disciples were gathered in the city of Jerusalem. They had just recently chosen the next disciple who would replace Judas. And as they're gathered in this house in Jerusalem, all of a sudden we're told that a rushing violent wind fills the house. And uh, when I think about this wind, you know, it's not like the wind that the big bad wolf blows on the houses of the three little piggies. It's a really significant new kind of wind. Right? It is a wind that has never been heard before. This rushing violent wind fills this house. And then you hear that the apostles then see these tongues of fire. And each tongue rests upon one of the people in that room. And all of a sudden, they're able to speak in different languages. Languages, in fact, that represent the groups of people who would be living in the city of Jerusalem. See, Scripture highlights for us that in Jerusalem, people had come from all over to live in this place. People loved the city of Jerusalem, and so it was a place where so many from all nations had gathered. 
So when the disciples go out now to see the people, to talk amongst them, they're speaking their native dialects. Not the disciples, but of the people. And so the people are confused when they hear these words. In fact, as you heard them say, they think the disciples are drunk. Now, I I can't speak from experience, but I'm pretty sure that when someone is drunk, they can't really speak any language, much less a one they've never spoken before. And so I think it's fair to say, right, that it's pretty clear something special is happening. And the Apostle Peter steps into this moment, right, and he, first of all, proclaims that these men are not drunk, that it's only nine o'clock in the morning. But then he follows up with these words from the prophet Joel. He says, in the last days, it will be that God declares that I will pour out my spirit upon all flesh. And your sons and daughters shall prophesy, and your young men shall see visions, and your old men shall dream dreams. Even upon my slaves, both men and women, in those days I will pour out my spirit, and they shall prophesy. And Peter would then continue in that sermon to tell the people all about Jesus. To tell them about how Jesus was sent to save the people from their sins. How Jesus was rejected. How he would be crucified. How he would be buried, and then how he would rise from the dead. And how he continues to live as he sits at the right hand of God the Father. And I really love what Peter says in verse 32 of Acts. Acts chapter 2, verse 32, Peter says this. This Jesus God was raised up, and of that all of us are witnesses. See, in this moment, Peter makes a very specific claim that... Even though Peter himself was a direct witness in the sense of he saw and lived with the resurrected Lord until he ascended, Peter here says all of us, and if you look at the Greek, he is including all of us. Everyone who follows Jesus is a witness. And what's interesting here is that these are not Peter's words first, but instead he's quoting Jesus. Uh, Peter here is quoting what Jesus says that all who believe in the resurrection are witnesses. And so in this really special moment in the midst of Peter's sermon, we have a flashback within a flashback. See, because uh, what Peter does for us is he is only quoting words that have already first been spoken. In fact, that's what Pentecost, this celebration, is about. The words of Jesus coming true. Right, see, if you look back a few weeks ago, I preached on John chapter 14, and I mentioned that Jesus makes really specific promises just days before he's crucified. One of the promises which you heard about was the promise to give us his peace. And the second promise is the one that we hear this morning. The advocate, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you everything and remind you of all that I have said to you. So uh, roughly 60 days before Peter ever preaches his Pentecost sermon, Jesus has already established these words to be true. Peter is preaching the fulfillment of these words in Jesus. And so when Peter speaks as he proclaimed these words, Peter is doing something that we all get to do. Peter is speaking as a witness. Now, uh, by basic definition anyway, the word witness means to see, hear, or know by personal presence and perception. So if you've ever been a witness to anything, it basically means that you have a first-person account of something, some sort of situation that has happened, and unlike someone else who maybe has an outsider perspective, you were there in that moment. You saw something or you heard something, and so you are a witness. And I think it's fair to say that 
the word witness is usually most commonly spoken of in our world today in the context of crimes. Right? Uh, witnesses are often some of the most important and critical people, especially when it comes to finding out the truth. In fact, uh, in one of my favorite movies, and a family favorite of mine, uh, the movie My Cousin Vinny, I think you could make the argument that witnesses are perhaps the most important people in that trial. That witnesses have this, this power and authority because they are believed to be someone who has seen, heard, or been in the presence of the truth. And if you've ever attended a trial, or watched one on TV anyway, then perhaps you all know the famous question that gets asked to someone right before they give their testimony, right before they witness. Do you solemnly swear to tell the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth, so help you God? And I think that question highlights the most difficult thing about being a witness. The witness has to tell the truth. Witnesses are expected to tell the truth, to be credible, and to keep their word. And so in a sense, uh, a witness is someone who is a truth bearer in that they know the truth, and a truth teller in that it's their responsibility to share that truth. So when Peter says that he is a witness, as he quotes Jesus, and Jesus calls all who believe in him witnesses, I think it's fair to say that uh, whether you've seen, heard, or even been in the presence of Jesus in some way, shape, or form, witnesses have quite a bit of responsibility. Witnesses are the people who have been sent out to go and tell others about Jesus. Witnesses are the ones who are known to be followers because they love one another, because they follow Jesus' commands. Witnesses are those whom Jesus himself has given his Holy Spirit and put within them and marked them on their hearts. And he's given his spirit so that they might remember all that he has taught them. And so as all of you are believers, all of you are followers of Jesus, it's my opportunity then to remind you that you are a witness. You are a witness of Jesus and his resurrection. Uh, not in the way that Peter was, in the sense of the actual physical resurrection of Jesus, but rather a witness just like the other people who were gathered on that first Pentecost. You are a witness because just a few moments ago, like the 3,000 who did on that day, you witnessed the power of God in the water of baptism. In the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. The word and water in which all of you were baptized into. And if you haven't been, let's work on that, okay? That special moment, that powerful witness, you are a witness to the power of Jesus, to his resurrection, to the presence of his life in your life. And being a witness is both a blessing then and a challenge. See, it's a blessing because what comes with being a witness is receiving the promises of Jesus. And one of the promises that Jesus makes is his presence with us. In fact, he says this in John's gospel in, in chapter 14, verse 23. He says, those who love me will keep my word, and my Father will love them, and we will come to them and make our home with them. So even in the moments when uh, you feel as though perhaps God is, is absent or far away, as a witness, the Spirit works to remind you of these words. That Jesus has come to dwell with you, that he and the Father are within you. They make their home with you you. That's the blessing, just one of the many of being a witness, and yet, of course, there are those challenges. See, uh, one of the challenges, I think, of being a witness is that everything you do matters. 
from the moment you wake up to the moment you go to sleep and even through the night, the Spirit is working to transform you. And at the same time, as you well know, so is uh, the adversary, so is uh, the devil. Uh, the devil works to try and drive you away from the work of the Spirit. To drive you, to, to even get you to think that perhaps you don't matter. That uh, what you do or don't do doesn't actually mean anything. But as a witness, as someone who has experienced the life-changing power of Jesus, everything you do matters. It matters to Jesus. It matters to God. It matters to those around you. And I think that's what makes being a witness so hard. Is that even in the midst of experiencing the life-changing power of Jesus, we are still sinners. And so, quite often, we fail as witnesses. I know personally, I have certainly failed to, to share the love of Jesus as a witness. And I know that some of you have failed to share the love of Jesus as a witness. I'm friends with some of y'all on Facebook, so I know things, okay? I mean, we fail to show his love. We fail to give others the grace that we have received in our lowest moments. I know personally I have failed to tell others about Jesus in the way that I have been told, in the way that others have witnessed to me. And yet, even in the midst of those failures... By the power of the Spirit and the Spirit alone, I'm reminded of those words from St. Paul in Romans chapter 5. Chapter 5 verse 8 says this, while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. While we were still sinners. That even as someone who has failed as a witness for Jesus, the truth is that he died for me even in the midst of my sin. That his death and resurrection calls me to repent and then receive those forgivenesses and promises and his grace that he bestows upon me, whom he calls a witness. And he does the same for you. See, being a witness isn't about uh, getting it right all the time. Being a witness isn't about uh, being perfect as if somehow you, you say the wrong thing or even if you do the wrong thing, which we all do, that somehow the faith is going to crumble apart. See, by God's grace, even in our poor witnessing, the gospel is not changed. The gospel is strengthened and built on the cornerstone of Christ, which cannot be defeated. And so God even works in the midst of our brokenness and our broken spirits. And this is why Jesus sends his Holy Spirit. Because Jesus knows we need his spirit to be strengthened. And his spirit then is always constantly working to transform us. And what this means then is that we are in the midst of a lifelong transformation. That you are a witness forever. No one can take that away from you. No one can strip you of that title because that is what Jesus says to you. That is how Jesus sees you. And that's why it's a, it's a gift. It's a gift to be a witness because you know Jesus. You know the love of Jesus. You know of his presence with you. You know of his spirit working in you to transform you. The Spirit is, is one of the things, and whether you believe it or not, that gets you here at 9.30 in the morning. Or 9.35 for some of you, that's okay. But it gets you here on a Sunday morning. That is the work of the Spirit. Yeah, your car and traffic and all those other things too, but that's the Spirit working in you to bring you back to this place. To receive that Spirit, to see it at work each and every week. 
You know, if you look throughout Scripture, witnesses have a really unique place in the Word of God. Particularly in the New Testament, if you look at different passages, there's always a one or two verses at the end of certain passages in which it just says this. Then those who were there, who were gathered, went out or went home and told others. And what's so lost in that is in the midst of one sentence, it's the witnessing that's taking place that we don't actually hear about. That others went home, that they left after what they had seen or what they had heard and told others about Jesus. See, if you're wondering what it means to be a witness, or if, you know, you think that there's, you got to tell people about the biggest moments, like, oh yeah, this one specific moment is when I remember the work of Jesus or the work of the Spirit. Uh, my, my hope is that today you don't look too far for it. That you've already seen it in the midst of the water, and in just a few moments you're going to receive it again in the body and blood of Jesus. That you are a witness of the resurrection of Jesus. That it's the same spirit that brings you here to this place. That power lives within you. And later this morning, uh, we're going to see the work of the spirit again. As it has been working in the lives of 12 young people as they confess their faith. That on a day when we celebrate the past, the present, and the future of the church, we gather around them as they witness the Spirit working within them. You know, flashbacks, uh, they have a way of, of taking us back to the past to see that all, has God, all that God has done for us and continues to do. And at the same time, flashbacks also cause us to look forward. Uh, they invite us to look forward to the day when uh, the present becomes the past and to make the most of what we have here and now. You know, some of you have asked me about it before, but uh, this Bible in particular reminds me of a really significant flashback. Uh, June 3rd, 2007, when I was confirmed, I was given this Bible. And so uh, this represents somewhat of a flashback for me, because I can tell you one thing. When I look back, I was not going to be a pastor when I was in eighth grade. And yet now, I look forward to the many years in which I hold this, which God has given me the Spirit over and over again. And what a blessing it is to be a witness. And the same is true for all of you. That as you are here and now, you are a witness. Your life matters to God. Your story, everything about you matters to God. And so each and every day, let that be the thing that guides you. Remember that the Spirit works in you to transform you. And if you're wondering how to share, where to start, Perhaps just share that simple truth. Share what Jesus has already said about you. That you are a witness. Thanks be to God. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.